What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So today's topic is about parental guilt. It affects us all in ways both big and small. Whether you just have some small twinges of guilt now and then, or you cannot escape its relentless grip or anywhere in between, this episode is for you. I'm going to talk about six of the most common sources of parental guilt and how to learn to confront it and find more productive thought patterns so it doesn't wear you down and cause bigger problems in your self-esteem, your relationships, and other areas of mental health. So first, it's important to know what we mean by parental guilt. Parental guilt is that pervasive feeling of not doing enough as a parent, not doing things right, or making decisions that may quote-unquote mess up your kids in the long run. And I've gotten a couple of questions in the last week about this exact last part. The parents who wrote in had been feeling like a decision they made was potentially a big mistake, and both were feeling very guilt-ridden over the potential of how this decision was affecting their children in the long run, and the short run too, for that matter. So I'm going to quickly differentiate guilt from shame because we often use them interchangeably and left unchecked guilt can actually often morph into shame. So shame is I am bad. I am inherently bad at my core. I am unworthy of things like respect, admiration, and love. Guilt is I did something bad. I need to do better. I need to do better somehow in some way. I'm not doing enough. The downside of guilt in parenting is that it can often lead to making up for our supposed shortcomings in ways that are not so healthy and is actually the thing that can be harmful in the long run versus the decision we made, like giving into kids' desires when it's not in their best interest, like giving them later bedtimes, indulging with their toys or treats when we normally wouldn't. It also can affect our relationship with our kids. It can teach them. And of course, like so many things, too much guilt models to children how to use guilt as their response mechanism. It also can lead to some codependent behaviors where the parental guilt can start to become a tool for manipulation. We're talking about a codependent pattern now where the parent is trying to make up for or fix the issues of the child due to guilt. Children can kind of glom onto that and then use that as a tool. So I'm going to start with the six most common areas where parents experience parental guilt, and then how to challenge these feelings and work through them. The first is the working parent. I'm not available to my infant, toddler, or child as a stay-at-home parent. I feel guilty also because I actually enjoy the time away many days. 
Now, with this being said, stay-at-home parents can experience their own kind of guilt for different reasons. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But we have this misguided belief, especially for moms, that once we have kids, we're supposed to give up on all other ambitions and interests of any kind, or at least they should come way after we are the one meeting all of our child's needs for physical and emotional well-being. Then if you have a little time left over, it's okay to take a dance class or go to a book club. So to assuage your feelings of guilt around this, here's something to remind yourself. Research shows that children greatly benefit from a quality preschool or daycare program in the areas of social-emotional development, language, and cognitive development. These are very positive experiences if you're in a quality program. Not to mention the self-esteem that can come from you fulfilling your needs and your goals as an individual, as an adult. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. For stay-at-home parents, the guilt can arise from feeling like, I'm not setting an example of an independent or ambitious adult. I feel guilty for wanting and needing a break from so much togetherness. In my case, I felt guilty that as a stay-at-home mom, I didn't feel fulfilled. I wanted more. I wanted to be working outside the home, at least part-time. I really just would love, love something part-time. I wanted to be a mom more than anything before I had kids. I had my kids later in life. I was able to stay home and I was very lucky as I stayed home for those first three years, did go back to school during that time and practice some therapy. But even though things were tight, we were okay, but I still wasn't satisfied. I was looking for more. It's tough for us as parents to balance this. So here's the bottom line. Your needs still matter. Your mental health still matters. Your goals and dreams still matter. And however you decide to balance parenthood with your life as an individual and an adult is just that, your decision. There are many ways to be a parent and show support and love to our children. Children thrive with parents who work and go to daycare and children thrive with parents who stay home and do or don't go to a daycare program. What matters is how you show up when you are together. Another common reason parents experience guilt is around their child misbehaving in public or at family gatherings or play dates. As I've already shared in previous episodes, around 85% of parents believe if they were a better parent, their toddler or young child would not melt down. It's these types of unrealistic expectations that set you up for dealing with a lot of feelings around inadequacy. We are far past the days of the 50s parenting where children are to be seen and not heard, and we know the damage that that causes. But clearly, the damage of this belief for parents still has a strong grasp in the vast majority of parents. Now, hopefully, by listening to this podcast or many of the other parenting podcasts and resources available that are based in the science of child development, you have been able or are in the process of letting go of perfectionistic ideals of how children are supposed to act so you can be more present for them in ways that allow them to develop their healthy methods of emotional regulation over time. It is a process for sure. Another reason a lot of parents can feel guilt is when their child is eating way more processed or fast foods than they feel like they should. We all go through busy periods where we do what we need to get through the week. But if you're feeling like it's gotten out of hand, you can make a plan and make some changes, even if it's just some smaller ones as you work back towards some more healthy options. Rather than battling at mealtimes, you want to offer healthy options and leave your child in charge of how much or what they eat. 
If you keep snacks healthy too, with fruits and veggies and dip, something like that, not fruits and dip. Well, you know, you could, I guess, (laughs) maybe yogurt dip, but keep exposing them to the rejected foods without pressure to try it. Because research shows it can take an average of 16 to 18 exposures to a new food to create enough familiarity for a child to become open to trying it. So just keep trying, no pressure, keep it as healthy as you can, and give yourself a break. If you have to go for some fast food or have a cereal night for dinner, it's okay. Even if it's a couple nights, it's okay. We've all been there. Another reason a lot of parents feel guilty is too much screen time. Now, depending on the age of your child or children when the pandemic hit, this is likely greatly increased in your home and you're now trying to dial it back. I know this has been true in our house. For a lot of kids, again, depending on age, this was the only opportunity for any social interaction with other kids their age. If you're feeling guilty about online or screen time, take an inventory of what activities they're doing. There's a big difference between chatting with friends while they do artwork, digital artwork or otherwise, and flipping through TikTok. There's a difference between video learning about an interest like history or how different car engines work. Those are actually one of my son's interests. And he spends time on YouTube looking up those types of things and learning those types of things, which is great. But if it's compared to watching, um, I forget what it's called, like try to make you laugh videos, kind of mindless, not the end of the world, but you know, you don't want them spending hours doing stuff like that. You want to work towards lowering screen time, especially the mindless screen time, and increasing interest and opportunities for other areas. You can help and encourage them with play dates, friendships from the neighborhood or school, sports or physical movement, like frequent trips to the park for younger kids, and making some slow shifts. You also can do some family screen time. We'd love to sit down as a family and watch a show if there's something we all like. The biggest reason I get and parents come to me for coaching, is guilt around yelling too much. Parents want to have more patience and feel like they're yelling too much throughout the day for compliance. Keep in mind, you will very likely never be completely yell-free. Frustration is a common emotion in parenting. Raising your voice to show frustration is going to happen sometimes, even for the most patient and skilled of parents. Multiple stressors, lack of sleep, and illness, these types of things are going to leave you very thin on patience. It's going to happen. But if you do feel like you're yelling far more than you think is healthy or than you'd like, you can assess the triggers. What times of day? What's happening during those times? What's going on in your own mind? Is it just triggered when you are more stressed than other times? What are these triggers? So that then you can start to address that and problem solve. What is the approach you're currently using that isn't working? And then you want to problem solve where it's falling short and learn some new approaches. You want to be patient as you learn to implement and hone in on these skills and the real reason behind the behavior you aren't appreciating. A lot of times it looks on the surface like one thing, but underneath the misbehavior is about something completely different. And this takes some practice and skill. So be patient with yourself while you learn to do that to read between the lines. Don't expect you or your child's behavior to magically change in one day. Commit to the new way and keep practicing. Give yourself some grace and keep working at it. You will get better and so will they. The sixth common reason for parental guilt is not feeling like you offer your child 
all the opportunities you think they deserve or that you would like to be able to give them, whether it's due to funds, time, or both. My younger son really wants to be an actor. He wants to go on auditions and try out and go that whole route. And my daughter has a friend who's done this and she's actually done very well, but it requires an exorbitant amount of time. It's two hour drives up to LA to wait around for potentially an hour or more for a five minute audition just to drive home. And the chance of getting the part is usually pretty slim. It means the parent basically can't have much of a life outside of this, let alone much time for other kids. I just can't do it. And my daughter's friend's mom has admitted it was when she wasn't working that she was really able to do this. So they haven't been doing much of it lately. Do I experience guilt around this about not being able to give them this opportunity? Sure, I do. I don't like not having the resources, in this case, the time to help one of my kids take a shot at something he really wants to do. But we also have to be realistic. We do the best we can to offer them as many opportunities as possible, but we just can't do it all, and that's okay. So, what can we do? We can find alternatives whenever possible. So, in our case, he takes acting classes. He tries out for plays at local theaters or schools and does some theater camp or acting camp he did this summer. I've also encouraged him to make some characters and create some social media accounts where he can flex his skills. In his case, his accents. And he's hilarious. And I'm working to get him access to equipment that will help him do just this. The other thing is to remind ourselves of how important what we do give them is the presence the love, the connection, the guidance, and all the opportunities to build skills and to try new things and to be exposed to these activities and hobbies and interests. We often focus so much on what we're not doing, what we can't do, when instead we need to focus on what we can do and what we actually do. In addition to these more minor areas of guilt, although... They can cause some major anxiety and guilt for some parents for sure as well. But there are decisions we make as parents, as two parents have sent in and to ask me over the past week, that can be catalysts for major overwhelming guilt. So I'm going to talk about this and how we can confront it and overcome it right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at get 
getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. Now that we're back, I'm going to talk about decisions we make as parents that leave us vulnerable to some pretty overwhelming guilt. These can tap into the anxiety of the unknown and cause doubt due to fears that we are doing long-term damage. What if I do it wrong? What if I make a decision I can't undo? This can cause a lot of anxiety, especially around those bigger decisions. So I got emails from two parents in the past week, like I said, and they're dealing with some really overwhelming guilt about a couple of decisions they had to make. One parent was about a divorce and another was about a major move that seems to have affected her daughter quite profoundly. So these big parenting decisions are never easy. So I've been through both of these, a move and a separation in our case, and I can absolutely relate to the guilt surrounding them. You may have other big decisions you have had to make or in the process of making or will have to make later that affect your entire family. We don't make these decisions lightly. I'm going to talk about making big decisions in general and a process to help assuage your guilt that can rear up. And then I'll address each of these big decisions in particular, the divorce and a big move how we can apply the general process to these decisions in particular. When we make big decisions, as you all probably know, you want to weigh out the pros and cons. And we're going to weigh them out for everyone. We don't just do it for the parents. Of course, we take our kids into consideration. Of course, we think about how it's going to affect them positively or negatively. So here are some things to consider. Your happiness matters. Your dreams and goals matter. Not to the complete detriment to everyone else, of course, but also not to be overlooked because it might require your kids to deal with some opportunities for growth or discomfort, which leads right to the second thing to consider. Kids are resilient and they will rise to the expectations we have for them. If we expect they will flounder and struggle, they will very likely flounder and struggle. And then if we buy into that and get into that spiral pattern, They will struggle, we will feel bad about their struggle, then they will struggle, we will feel bad about their struggle, and we start to kind of spiral downwards. If we expect them 
to have some sadness, but also excitement, and soon to see the opportunity as we guide them in that, as they experience the positive aspects, guess what they will very likely do? We can help them spiral up just as much as we can contribute to their spiral down. If we dwell on the struggle, we let the guilt take over, they will too. If we focus on the problem solving, we focus on the positive aspects, we still allow emotions. We talk about that a lot. Of course, allow the feelings of sadness. I understand you miss your friends. I really miss my friends too. And that's the hardest part about moving. We're going to allow those feelings. We're not going to shove them down. But then we're going to work through this and then we're going to problem solve. Going through a big change as a family is where we take on the leadership role of how we navigate the change process. This will equip them to better embrace change in their own lives now and going forward. As humans, we are, in general, very fearful of change. We love the familiar. We love our security. We are uncomfortable with the unknown. What's on the other side? We don't know how things will turn out. We have no way of really knowing how things will turn out. So all we can do is consider the pros and cons, open up to where we feel we're being guided, take a leap of faith, and then manage the process of change if that's what we decide is best. So I'm going to apply this process to these two scenarios, a move and a divorce. So we're going to start with the move, and I'm going to take you through my process since we did this as a family a year and a half ago. So weighing the pros and cons, the kid's dad told me we didn't have to stay in our current location because he was free to work from home indefinitely now. Now, at first I said, no, I did not want to leave my friends and I didn't want our kids to have to leave theirs. We were still mid-pandemic, actually early in the pandemic as it turns out, because this was October of 2020. We were schooling from home and we had just finalized our separation five months earlier and only told the kids about it a few months prior. I just didn't want to add another change onto their plates. But as I started to think about it, and I was looking for my new home at that point, I just couldn't commit to buying real estate in that town. It just didn't feel right. Nothing felt right. I knew I didn't want to retire there. I knew as soon as the kids graduated high school, I was out. I realized I would likely grow increasingly antsy to get out of there and then potentially resentful for feeling stuck and want to rush their childhoods just so that I could move out. This is not at all what I wanted. I wanted to enjoy and relish the rest of their childhoods. I also realized that if all my friends moved away, no way would I want to stay there. And lastly, I realized that as they were growing up and moving more into adolescence, that this town had very little to offer for a teenager, for exploration or fun. There was the mall and a theme park. And my daughter hated the theme park. It was just a bunch of big coasters. So the boys had a theme park and the girls had the mall. And how long is that going to be exciting? I knew they would grow bored. And after weighing all of this, we took the leap of faith. When it came to the kids and considering how they would weather the change, we knew they would miss their friends. That's a given. We all would. But we also knew that after schooling from home for six months and most likely for the rest of the school year, and a lot of people were migrating at that time, our oldest was in sixth grade, soon to be entering junior high. So that if we were to do this, it was now or wait until the younger kids graduated in nine years. So we knew 
They would make new friends. We knew they would have so much opportunity to grow up and explore one of the most beautiful areas of the country. We moved to San Diego. We expected some bumps, but we also knew we could help them and guide them in weathering those bumps. We also knew that this would build resilience and growth for them too. We knew we would have bumps of our own. Loneliness and finding people to connect with would likely take a lot longer given the pandemic and the move and the busy parents and still separating homes. And we did have bumps. When our twins started school, they did not like the school at all. It was very different from what they were used to. There was a lot more diversity as far as the range of socioeconomic status. They had been very sheltered. And this wasn't necessarily a bad thing, in my opinion, but it was a real wake-up call for them. I actually remember them coming home and telling stories. Um, The teacher talking something about getting hit in the back of the head with a shoe as a kid. And a lot of the kids in class could relate to that. So when they were misbehaving or whatever, the parent just like (laughs) chucks a shoe across the room and hits them in the back of the head. And all the kids were like nodding in agreement and understanding this. And my kids were shocked. They're like, this is what happens. So it was definitely a um, a cultural awakening, but also in a very good way. They realized just how lucky they have it. So our daughter did rise to the occasion. She found a great group of friends. She had a group of four girls that she really connected with. Her twin brother did struggle a lot, though, because the boys were pretty rough around the edges, and he found he just didn't connect with any of them. We definitely had to weather that one. And if you listen to the podcast through that episode, you know I had to get him in to see the school counselor to help him work through some tough feelings and build some coping and resilience, as he was actually diagnosed with moderate depression by his pediatrician. But the good news, though, is that we knew the middle school it fed into was nothing short of amazing, a magnet with a lottery where they were both guaranteed a spot. And we talked about this a lot with them, about sometimes we have to kind of struggle through the short term or we make some sacrifices short term for a long term potential. And that's hard to learn at 10. But now they get it. I also struggled with some depression, too. I felt very isolated. It's hard to make friends as a busy mom working for yourself and not sure what hobbies or activities you even want to delve into so you can get out there and meet people. But the good news is, is everything is working out so well. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean we're not going to have ups and downs. We absolutely will. That's life. But we've gotten to a really great place for everyone. Our oldest loves his school. He got put in orchestra last year as his elective. It was his third choice, but he loves it. And he continued in it this year. He played on the boys' volleyball team. He made a nice group of friends. He quit swimming, but he loves tennis. And there's a program a block from my house he can walk to. He can't get enough. He's moving up to intermediate tennis. Our twins absolutely love their middle school. More than any school they have ever gone to. Our son has made new friends. He's getting to know more kids every day. My daughter and I are loving horseback riding here. And the programs are top notch. There's a lot more opportunity for that sport here than where we were. They love going to the beach. They said the junior lifeguard program was the best one they've ever been to, including the one where we used to live. So we, and we do get out and we explore the area a lot. There's so much to see and do and they get to experience. And I too have finally started to make friends that I can really connect with that are just like my soul sisters, which is really amazing. So having that 
problem-solving mindset, that growth mindset, going into changes, working through the guilt, helping our kids through this process, and it will actually build a lot of resilience and coping and actually gives them a lot of great opportunities as we step up into that leadership role and guide them through it. So this episode is getting a little longer, but I want to just touch on divorce really quickly. I did an episode a while back on guilt around divorce. It is episode number 201, and it specifically covers dealing with parental guilt around divorce. So I apologize for running out of time, but that episode is really comprehensive, goes into research around on the effects of divorce on children and how it really isn't what we've been led to believe and how your happiness really matters. So if this is something you're going through, you've been through, you're considering, and you're really feeling guilty about it, um, I would go check out that episode because you're going to get so much from that, a lot more than I would be able to cover in a quick little synopsis anyway. So I hope that this really helps you face your parenting guilt, think about where it's coming from, connect with the positive so that you can relieve yourself of that guilt that is not serving you. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.